Hello there, I'm Minister Paula Cornett. Thank you for joining me on today's podcast, Revelations from the Heart. I'm so excited for what the Lord has in store for you today, and I hope that you will be encouraged by today's message. I'd love to stay connected with you online. You can visit my website at www.paulacornett.weebly.com. Also, visit me on Facebook, Instagram, and my YouTube channel. Well, grab your Bible. Let's get into today's episode. Hello there. So glad to have you join me today for Revelations from the Heart podcast. This is episode number 27. Now, I always have to go back and look at the previous, listen to the previous episode to see what number I'm on because I tend to forget uh, what number I'm on. But this is episode number 27. Moving right along and getting ready to bring this study to a close. Um, I know for me it's been wonderful. I've been enjoying um, this study and have found out some things that I didn't already know myself. And so hopefully uh, from this teaching you have gleaned and gained a greater understanding of what Second Timothy 3 and starting verse 1, what it means, what it's truly saying. And let me just go on to say this, that we have been talking about, the title of this series has been Last Day's Territory. And um, this particular portion of scripture, although the Holy Spirit was speaking through the Apostle Paul for 2000, well, about 2,000 years ago, he was actually prophesying the society that we live in now. And so you could say that this is us. We are the last day society. We are the end time we're going to look at, again, as we always do, at our focus scripture, which is 2 Timothy 3 and 1. And if you have your Bible, go ahead and get it out so that you can um, follow along with me. We're not going to go through all of those words. Um, the other ones, the other characteristics that we've talked about and that I've talked about in previous episodes, you got to go back and listen in the archives. There's several of them because there's 25 characteristics and I cover like two episodes. So... Um, be sure to go back and listen to those so you can get the whole teaching um, of this particular series. But in 2 Timothy 3 and 1, the Apostle Paul is speaking by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. And he says that, but know this, that in the last days, perilous times will come. And so when we look at those particular words, we have the word um, gnosko, which means to know. and means to know something definitely, emphatically, with absolute certainty. And so the Holy Spirit is saying that, you know, you need to know this, that this is definitely going to happen, that this is definitely going to take place. And when that word this in there, uh, the word tauto, the Greek word tauto, this, it means very specific. So he's talking about a very specific time in history, in society that's going to take place. And then he puts that word also in there, which is the Greek word day, which within with that word in there, it gives it like an extra oomph that means, you know, also indeed or emphatically. So the Holy Spirit is really stressing that, you know, the end time people need to know this and they need to understand that this is definitely going to happen. This is definitely going to take place. That, um, the word hoity, which points to a specific or an important point, and that in the last, the last the Greek word eschatos means the ultimate end of a thing, the final, final sailing. If you think about it like this, if you've ever been on a cruise or ever been on a ship or ever been 
on a train or something of that nature where, you know, there the journey comes to an end. And when you can't sail anymore, that's it. It's over. The ride is over. It's time to get off. Okay? And that's what this is. This is like the picture um, that this is painting is that this is the last. You can't go no further. You can't go anymore. In fact, it was used in classical Greek literature to depict a place that was farthest away. And so this is the final, the very end. You know, when you read a book and it says the end, that's it. No more pages to read. That's the end is over. And so we're definitely in that time. But it says that in that time, in that period of time, it's going to be different from any other time in history. It's going to be categorized by perilous times. The word perilous is the Greek word kalopos, which means dangerous, risky, hurtful times, difficult times, almost times that are difficult to bear. Um, the word time is the Greek word kairos, which means a specific or a definite season. And we are definitely in a specific, definite season. And then it goes on to say they, sh it's, they shall come. It's the Greek word estimi. And it's compounded of two words. And when you put them, those, these two words together, it means to stand in, to stand in the middle of, to be surrounded by, or to be encumbered. So it's all around you. You see it all around. Now, all throughout history, we have seen glimpses of these characteristics in a particular society. Um, but at the end of the end of the end of the end of the last days, we see these characteristics everywhere in mass numbers. And so um, he starts off by just talking about um, how people will be so in love with themselves. They'll be so in love with themselves and everything will be about self. And really what all this boils down to is a society that is misdirected. And this is a godless society where Christ is not the sinner, but self is the sinner. And the Bible says, uh, Jesus said that in order to be one of his disciples, you must deny yourself, take up your cross and follow him. So being a disciple of Jesus Christ definitely requires you to not be in to yourself. Now you love yourself. You take care of yourself. It doesn't mean you just, you know, give up on yourself, but that you have, but it's a balanced love and it's not, you are above yourself is above what God wants you to do or God, but that God comes first. He has to be number one priority. And when you have God in the right perspective and have him as number one priority, everything else will fall into place. Well, he goes on to talk about these characteristics that you'll have to go back in the archives and listen to because what I want to deal with today is a characteristic that starts in verse 5, I believe it is. And it says, having a form of godliness, but denying its power. And from such people turn away. Well, right here he starts to talk about the apostate church. The church that will be, and when I say church, I'm not referring to the building but church is referring to a, a group of people a body of people body of believers that there will actually be a body of believers that have a form of godliness but they deny the power okay they, they refute they deny the power of godly living and that's the only way that you're going to have the true power of god is you got to live right you got to live right okay and so it says having a form of godliness i gave the example of um of my aunt that had an owl sitting on her deck the the ledge of her deck and how from a distance it appeared to look like a real actual owl but when you look a lot closer you realize that it is just a form 
of an owl to scare away um, animals of that nature. Now, it probably fooled the animals, but to somebody that knew, you know, that this is not a real owl, you can't fool them. But this is the picture of what those having a form of godliness, they will look and appear to be people of God, but in reality, they are void of his power. They're void. There's, there's nothing on the inside. It's, it's, it's hollow. Okay. And so he goes on to say, and from such people turn away. Now, this is the one that he's talking. He's the only one that he tells from such people turn away. Don't mess with them. Don't fool with this type of people. If you're in a church where they're not preaching and teaching the word of God, where they're embracing, they're condoned, they're compromising with sin and they're embracing things that are contrary to the word of God from such people like that. You got, you got to turn away from them and you can't, you can't fool with them. It doesn't mean you don't keep praying for them. It doesn't mean that you don't love them anymore, but you just can't get mixed up with those type of people. So he's telling us that if you are around people like that, you can't fool with those people. You got to turn away. All right. So then we're going to talk about the new one today and it's found in verse eight. I'm going to make sure I get through all of this so that we can understand clearly what um, my pen hit the table. What is being said uh, here? He says in verse 8, Now as Janus and Jambres resisted Moses, so do these also resist the truth. Men of corrupt minds disapprove concerning the faith. But they will progress no further, for their folly will be manifest to all as theirs also was. What? What in the world? Who is Janice and Jim Breeze? Okay, well, let's look at this and see who these individuals are. Now, we um, know from Jewish scholars and historians and the early church fathers who exactly who Janice and Jim Breeze were. Janice and Jim Breeze are the sorcerers that went up against Moses. If you remember the story, when Moses went before the Pharaoh in Exodus, I believe it's 7, you can read like if you go to Exodus seven and to cha- seven chapter seven through chapter nine, it it'll tell you in there who they who it'll tell you the story. I'm getting all tongue tied, getting ahead of myself. Um, it'll tell you who they are. I mean, tell you what they did. So Janice and Jambres, if you are familiar with that portion of scripture, when Moses went to the Pharaoh, you know Pharaoh he refused to let the people go. So then God um, sent plagues, and so the first plague that he sent was i believe it was blood in the water let me let me validate that i believe that's what it was let me see exodus 7 is that right yes that's that's correct the first plague was water becomes blood so when he did that it says that the magicians of Egypt did so with their enchantment it's in chapter 7 and verse 22. So then the second plague was frogs. So the Egyptians, they were able to do that also. They, were, they brought frogs in the land, just they mimicked what Moses did. Okay, but by the third plague, which was lights, in um, chapter 8, verse 18, it says, Now the magicians so worked with their enchantments to bring forth lice, but they could not. So there were lice on man and beast. And then the magician said to Pharaoh, this is the finger of God. Okay, so they couldn't even fool with God. And so the thing is about people that dabble in fake power or that dabble in uh, demonic powers is that God's power is far greater than any demonic, any demonic power, any demonic, de- 
demonic force that may try to come against you. I, this makes me think about uh, a story. I went to the women's prison a couple years ago. I was there ministering. And after I got done ministering, it was a powerful, powerful time. Um, it was it, it, this particular time when I went, it was a great deliverance that took place um, at the women's prison. A young lady was um, delivered from a lesbian spirit. And so um, after that service was over, several, several uh, ladies, they brought to me for a prayer. This one particular young lady that they brought up to me as a little young lady, she stood probably about four feet ten, I kid you not, little bitty, just small, uh, petite gal. Um, and they brought her up to me and she, her eyes, you know, she kind of had big eyes and she looked at me and looked like she was like, like, uh, what's the word? Um, not afraid to speak to me, but just, um, kind of speechless, so to speak. And so she had told one of the workers that when she came in, before she came in, she had been dabbling in some witchcraft and some occultic stuff. And she said when she came in, when she hit the door, she said that there was a, you know, like a, a presence that came over her that was stronger than the presence what, than what she was dealing with. And she knew at that instant, at that moment that, you know, this was the presence of God. And so she just wanted to tell me that, you know, she was, um, she had been tormented by this stuff or what have you. So I prayed for her and just um, rebuked that, that spirit off of her and uh, just speak for life and freedom over her. And she, she went away, you know. And when she first came up to me, she looked somewhat uh, perplexed. Her, her face looked like she was perplexed or kind of uh, like fearful. But then after she left, the peace of God just came over her. And I told her, don't dabble in that stuff. Don't mess with you. Renounce all that stuff because God is, his power is the true power. His power is a true power. So God's power was greater than these sorcerers. But that's who Janice and Jambres were and are. They were the sorcerers that went up against Moses. And it's interesting that the Holy Spirit likens these end time ministers that they will be just like this. Okay. That they will be just like how Janice and Jambres were. They they probably will have some they have some powers have some, you know, that they will make it seem like that, oh, they have to be of God because they do this or do that. But that their power is not going to supersede God's power, okay? So the Bible says here, it says that withstood, and it's the Greek word, anastemi, which means to stand against, to stand against in opposition. This is describing uh, Janice and Jambri. It means to demonstrate the attitude of one who is fiercely opposed to something and therefore determines to do everything within its power to resist, to stand against, to withstand, or to defy, okay, or to defy. And so this is describing these end-time teachers. They'll be very strategic in reteaching Scripture. That's how, why you need to know the Word of God, what it says, what it says, what it, what it means, what God is saying. That's why you have to have the spirit of discernment. Say, so, well, what is that? To be able to discern what is right from wrong, what is truth from non-truth. Because as we uh, get closer to these, in, in, we're in the last days. As we get closer and closer to the return of Jesus, it's going to get worse and worse. Chapter thir- Verse 13 goes on to tell us that these impostors will grow worse and worse, deceiving themselves and being deceived and deceiving many others. So that's why you have to have the spirit 
of discernment, to discern. Let the Holy Spirit uh, let you. Sometimes I'm watching, maybe watching, um, I won't give any, I won't say any names, but I'll be, might be watching something on television, like a ministry um, show or what have you. And I, I know right along when it's, you know, this is nonsense or when it's, this is not, you know, and I know right along when it's truth, it, it just, it just hits my spirit that this is the truth. Listen to what this individual is saying because this is the truth. So we have to be able to discern, okay? So it says, Now as Janice and Jambres resisted Moses, so do these also resist the truth. Men of corrupt minds. The word mind is the word noose, and it's actually the plural. And it means minds, the ability to think, reason, understand, or to comprehend. The place from which one rules and controls his inward and outward environment. The central control center for a human being, the place where reasoning, perception, and understanding take place. So what you believe determines what will happen in your life. Right believing will lead to right living. When you don't believe right or you haven't been taught right, so then therefore you can believe right, you're not going to live right. You're going to be off in your living. But when you have right believing, correct believing, correct teaching, not sugar-coated, not watered down with just the straight up truth of the word of God, you're going to live right. You're going to live right. Okay. So this is describing their minds, how their minds are going to be in the end time. Okay. Their minds are going to be corrupt. The Bible says, and this is, this is a Greek word. And when I looked at this and as, as a as several, well, I looked at uh, one other teaching about this um, from pastor Rick Renner, because he just breaks everything down so so plain um very easy to understand but he was saying how it's it's a very interesting greek word it's only used in second timothy three and eight it's only this word is only used here just this one time and it's talking about corrupt and it's compounded of two words the word kata which means down in the the word uh fifth arrow i hope i said said that right which means corruption or 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 it means just means corruption so when you put it together it means degeneration or deterioration so in other words it means to move downward into a state of collapse and deterioration and ruin so this is something that doesn't happen like quickly but it's very progressively it happens over time because they are believing they start to believe lies and then their mind will slowly begin to deteriorate and then they come to the place where their mind will start to be reprobate. Okay, now we may have heard this word um, before. Maybe not. And a lot of times people think they know what this means. But in actuality, a lot of times they don't. But this just means unfit, rejected, anything rejected due to its flawed nature. It depicts a mind that has become unfit and defective. The mind of an individual or the mind of society that has become ill affected, especially in regard to conclusions about moral issues. A reprobate mind eventually produces reprobate behaviors, defective malfunctioning. So believing the wrong thing, it, it will mess you up. It will mess you up when, you, when your believing is not right. So what has happened is, over time, these individuals, it's been progressive. They have embraced lies or begin to believe lies in their mind which our minds, you know, are very complex. And God has created our minds. God has created our minds are just so amazing. And some way, somehow, the enemy has gotten in there and been able to 
cause them to believe these lies, okay? So then they're believing these lies, and so then their mind becomes reprobate, okay? And the reprobate concerning the faith. The word the faith is with a definite article, okay? The faith, the doctrine, the non-negotiable tenets of the Christian faith. There are some things, in, there's things in our faith, in the Christian faith, that are not negotiable. Sin is not negotiable. It's not, it's not negotiable. It's not, oh, well, you know, okay. No, it, it is what it is. If you haven't repented of your sin, then you're not going to go to heaven, okay? You have to repent of your sins, okay? And uh, sometimes, you know, people want to kind of sugarcoat things or try to embrace everything or to be inclusive of every behavior and all that kind of stuff. And that's just not the way it is, okay? You can't rewrite the Bible. You can't reteach the Bible. It is what it is. God said what he said for a reason. God has given us boundaries not to hurt us, not to harm us, but to protect us. And if we do things according to God's word, we'll have a good life. You'll have a good life. But sometimes we, we make detours. I understand that. That's why Jesus came. But it doesn't mean that in the midst of those decisions that we made, there's consequences that we have. Okay, there was consequences, but God is with us even in those consequences. But it doesn't mean that we don't have to go through something in the midst of that. Okay, so a lot of the um, older churches that have been uh, more established over the years, you know, that have been around for quite some time, their foundations have a biblical foundation. So they started out right but what has happened is they have strayed away from the tenets of the faith. They've strayed away from the faith. And they've started to embrace things that are not in Scripture, that are not even in there, that are contrary to, to their statements of faith. Okay? And so we're seeing this. Okay? So when you love somebody, it doesn't mean that you embrace whatever they do. Loving people, when you really love people, you're going to tell them the truth. I had to talk to a young lady that was doing some things that was just totally against the word of God and not godly. And I sat her down and I talked to her and I prayed and I asked the Holy Spirit to give me the words to say. And I didn't come in her and say, you know, you gross and nasty or anything like that. But I came to her with a heart of love and as someone who was concerned, not about her liking me, not about her uh, wanting to be my friend, or but came to her with someone that was concerned about her soul. And so as I talked to her and I told her what the Word of God said, and according to the Word of God, how the things that she was doing, if she would continue in those behaviors and in those things, those things would lead to death. And if she were to leave this earth right now, or without repenting of those things, that she would not be with the Lord. And um, she listened to everything that I said. And at first, her mom talked to me and told me, said that, you know, she was kind of mad and upset about it. But then when she really thought about it, she was like, she loved me enough to tell me the truth. That, you know, she realized that that was the truth. And that's just, you know, you can't change the truth. So we cannot go against the word of God to, to when we're talking to individuals and talking to people. We have to tell them what the word of God says. If you come to me and ask me, for advice or what you should do. If you don't want to hear what the word of God says, then you, you better not come. I had another instance where I was at a, um, a meeting at a church and 
This young lady came up to me after the meeting and asked me if I would pray for her and her boyfriend. And so, okay, well, that's very vague information. I need to know a couple things first. So by the word of knowledge, the Holy Spirit said, ask her, is she live, are they living together? And so I asked her, I said, now are you and your boyfriend living together? And so she was like, yeah. And I said, well, honey, I can't pray for, you know, God to bless that because God don't bless mess. I don't care who you are. I don't care. I, God does not bless mess. And I do not co-sign on no mess. And so um, I said, now I can pray for you. I can pray for you that, that, that God's perfect will be done in your life. I can pray for you like that, but I can't pray for you and him, you know, to be together. And, you know, that might not even be the will of God for you. And so, you know, I prayed a prayer, um, you know, and everything like that, but we cannot sugarcoat things and you have to just, you know, people might get mad. Well, okay, go ahead and get mad. But when I stand before God, I don't want him to say to me, you went against my word. I wanted to say you held up the truth of the word, even at the face of so people might not like you or people might not want to hear that, you know, well, then don't ask me if you don't want to hear it. You know, don't ask me because I'm going to tell you the truth according to the word of God, because that's the only truth that there is. So these people have corrupt minds about the faith. Their mind is corrupted. And it says that they shall proceed. It's the Greek word. This phrase is the is um it it means depicts the advancement of disease now this is just very interesting to advance or to make progress so this end time church this apostate church is going to have a they're going to have it's like a disease the holy spirit likens it to a disease but this disease is going to come to a halt it's going to come to an end okay and it says the word uh folly is that word in there let me see where that at Maybe not in my translation, but it says the word folly and it's the word annoyup and it just means folly or it means irrational thinking, madness, brainless activity. You know, you're going to be like, when you hear these teachings and you think like, what are they thinking? What, where are they getting this stuff from? I found myself saying that on some things that I've heard, like, wh wh where are they getting this from? How are they coming to this? You know, how are they coming to this conclusion? That's why you got to know the word. And when you listen and you got to listen real good, you got to listen real good to, to what is to what is being said so that you won't be deceived. OK, so these people have they have irrational thinking. <clears throat> it goes on to say the word manifest, which means to point out, to make obvious, exposed. It's unmistakably clear. So this nonsense is going to be so obvious. This this crazy teaching, this stuff that you want to where they getting it from it's going to be so obvious that people are going to know it okay but these individuals that are teaching this stuff and the, those that are following this stuff they're going to just get sicker and sicker and sicker and you know what that's really sad that really is sad it really is sad when um people are deceived it, it's very sad because when people are deceived they don't know it and everyone around them knows it but they don't know it and that's what's the sad thing. So say, well, what are we to do? 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 Well, it's coming. There's nothing we can do about it. We're already here. There's nothing we can do. We're here. And so we just can't live in fear. As it says in 2 Timothy. Uh, yeah, 2 Timothy, right? 1 and 7, yeah. It says that, you know, God hasn't given us a spirit of fear. We can't be fearful of the times. And just like uh, when it talked about those that are high-minded, it was the word, uh, this, where we get the word typhoon. 
And the teaching on that was very powerful. I, when I studied that out, it just like blessed me so. But it's where we get the word typhoon. And just like with any storm that comes, if you're prepared for the storm, you don't worry about it, right? Just like, for example, here in Indiana, we get a lot of, uh, during the winter times, we usually get uh, snow. We can have snowstorms, and sometimes the snow is pretty deep. And so if we hear on the forecast that a big snow is coming, we're going to get several inches. We go to the store, make preparations. We may be inside for a few days. We don't know how, you know, how long we're going to be in. We, um, you know, get things ready, get all everything, all your errands done so you won't have to go nowhere so you can be in. And so when the storm comes, the snow is falling. I'm inside looking out the window, not worrying about a thing because I've made preparation. But if you haven't made preparation yet, yeah, you're going to be kind of panicking and kind of fearful. But there's no fear because I'm inside the house that is secure, have plenty of food. You know, everything is so, so it's, it's all right. So the same is true for us is that God has put these things in here not to make us frightened or fearful, but because he's so good that he prepares us. He prepares us that this is what things are going to be like. And so what do we have to do? Well, you got to make sure that you're going to a church that teaches the Bible. That you're going to a church that teaches the Bible, that teaches the word of God, okay? That doesn't sugarcoat things and just make you feel good but teaches to the point that it's going to make you and compel you to change, to look at your life and say, you know what? I'm not ready to meet Christ. I'm not ready. I got to get my heart ready. Why? I got time to make sure I'm ready to meet him. And number two, you got to renew your mind. The Bible says, Paul said this. He said, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Do not be conformed to the things of this world. This is Romans 12, 1 and 2. But be ye transformed or changed by the renewing of your mind. So that word renewing is a continual process. I have to renew my mind every day because I've been indoctrinated by this world system and this world's way of thinking and the kingdom of God is not ran like the world. God's way of thinking is not like the world. The world says in order for me to have I got to keep everything that I have but God says in order to have you got to give. He says in order to live you got to die. You got to die to what? Die to yourself. Okay? In order to have joy order to have love you got to you know extend out love his Joyce Myers says it this way it's the right it's the upside down kingdom that's right side up <coughs> so the things in the kingdom are contrary to this world is different from this world everybody else around me might be acting crazy but I don't lose my mind because I got the mind of Christ and if I got the mind of Christ, no matter what happens, no matter who comes, no matter, no matter what goes on, I got to keep my mind stayed on Jesus. I got to look to the hill from which cometh my help because my help comes from him. If I look to the left, I see divorce. If I look to the right, I see disease. If I look to the left again, I see calamity and disaster and people flipping out and going crazy and people arguing about of politics and about the president and all this other stuff. I got to look to the hill. I got to keep my eye on Jesus. I got to keep my eye on Jesus because he is the author and the finisher of my faith. 
Okay, he is the author and finisher of my faith, and he's the author and finisher of your faith as well. Well, let us pray as we conclude with this message for today. Father God, we thank you so very much for your awesome word. We thank you, Father God, for the mind that you have given each and every one of us, the ability to discern what's right from wrong, the ability to know the truth from a lie. And Lord, we I just ask in the name of Jesus that you touch each and every heart, each and every listener, that as they hear this, Lord, and as they study on their own, Lord, that they will come to a greater understanding of your word and how much you love us, Father God, that you love us so much that when we were in our worst state and condition, before we were even thought of that you sent your precious son, Jesus, to die on the cross for our sins, to die on the cross for our sickness and disease, to die on the cross for our brokenness, to die on the cross for our shame and our guilt, to die on the cross for our lack and our poverty, Father God. And I thank you that when he rose, he rose with all power in his hands. And I thank you that you have extinguished that power upon us, Lord God. I thank you, Lord, for stirring the hearts of every here, whether they're here in the United States, whether in Ireland or Germany or Canada or Africa or the Caribbean islands. Lord God, I thank you for your people all over this world that you always have a remnant of believers. I pray for those, Lord God, that are preparing to meet you, Father God, that are understanding and realizing that you are soon to return. And I thank you, Father God, for washing them clean, washing them white as snow, that they will come to a greater knowledge of you and who you are. Reveal yourself to them, Lord. In the mighty name of Jesus, I pray. I thank you. I give you glory and honor, Father God. I pray that you show us in our different cities, in our different areas, in our different nations, ministers and preachers and teachers and men and women of God who've not bowed the bell. Men and women of God who can discern the truth from a lie and who teach the word of God with truth and power and signs and wonders following. I thank you, Father God, for the great outpouring of your spirit that you're doing even now. Lord, I thank you that you're stirring the heart of your hidden prophets, of your hidden prophetesses, of your hidden ministers and preachers and teachers, that you're bringing them to the forefront, Lord God, that they're full of power and that they're full of your presence, Lord God, and your presence is being made manifest on the earth to great and small, young and old, Father God, rich and poor. And I give you glory and I give you honor and I give you praise and I thank you. It's in the mighty matchless name of Jesus Christ, the Messiah, the anointed one that I pray. Thank you, Lord, that you are Jehovah God, the only true and living God. I give you glory and honor and praise in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. As always, the Bible says in Romans 10, 17, that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. I'll see you next time. God bless. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. Be sure to share this episode with someone in your life. Also, share on your social media outlets. And I would love for you to connect with me on Facebook, Instagram, and be sure to subscribe to my new YouTube channel. You can find the links to all my pages by visiting my website at www.paulacornette.weebly.com. God bless you and hope that you will take time to listen again soon. Thank you.